Welcome to Higher Ground with Chris Warren. In six days' time, Penrith and South Sydney will contest the 2021 NRL Grand Final. It will be the first all-Sydney decider since the Bunnies last won the title, beating Canterbury back in 2014. And it will be the first time ever that these two great clubs have squared off against each other in the decider. It could be the ultimate fairy tale finish too, as we know, for Wayne Bennett, also for Captain Adam Reynolds of South Sydney, and also for Benji Marshall. I touched on this yesterday, but... Uh, Marshall, he won a premiership, what, 16 years ago. He's not confirmed yet whether this will be his last season. So, so many storylines to this one. Um, the Panthers, they have done it the hard way. We know that. And there is the chance that they, they could be running on empty. They were given very little chance, weren't they, of toppling Melbourne, the defending premiers. But again, it just shows that defence does indeed win the big games. They were just brilliant, weren't they? They've only scored four tries Um in three finals games, Penrith. Can you believe that? But still, that has been enough to make the big one. That's because they've also only conceded four tries in three games. They were beaten 16-10 by South in week one. Uh, then last week, just getting over Parramatta 8-6. And then, as we know, over the weekend, 10-6 over Melbourne. So the question is this, and I asked it yesterday, is Penrith running on empty, those three games sapping all the fuel out of their tank, or on the flip side, are the Penny Panthers now battle-hardened and ready to go one more round? Dally M's are on tonight. We'll be bringing you right up to speed on all the winners. Who will be crowned the best of the best? Will it be Turbo, Teddy, Nathan, Cody, or maybe someone else? We'll go through all that with you. Now, the NRL has come under a fair bit of scrutiny over the uh, treatment of some head injuries in the uh, the Panthers' store match. Jerome Luai, uh, he admitted to suffering symptoms of concussion when he was collected by Cam Munster, a swinging arm. Um, but not even a penalty. Can you believe that against Munster? If that was magic round, I kid you not, that would have been a send-off, at least a sin bin. I think Luai has since backtracked on his comments. Um, how and why Christian Welch was able to stay on the field for six minutes after his trainer stopped play is, is quite baffling. Uh, but what happened, I should point out, they say is within the rules. When a trainer stops play, uh, the player must leave the field for two minutes minimum. But when it's stopped for a head injury assessment, well, that rule does not apply. So that's why Welch uh, stayed on. But it should not have taken six minutes for the independent docs uh, or the bunker to review the incident. Uh, a fair bit discuss. I'll be uh, hearing from Scott Sattler later on tonight too. It's quite unique, isn't it? So Sats, who played 100 games or more for Penrith, won a premiership. In 2003, he's renowned uh, uh, origin or well, grand final folklore, really. That tackle on Todd Byrne. And his dad's name is also etched in grand final folklore. Um, John Sattler, uh, captain for premiership winning South Sydney teams and played one of them, 1970, with his jaw just totally busted and, and hanging on by a thread, they say. And now they, well, they're almost going up against each other. I will point out that Sats is a... Well, Scotty is a mad Bunnies fan, so uh, although he played for Penrith, won a premiership with them, um, for him, it's pretty much win-win. I'll try and get hold of Steve Renoff if we can. I'm also going to get hold of, uh, we'll try to, Lee Hopkins. Um, 
played a number of games with the Panthers. He's now uh, head of performance, doing a great job out there. I met Lee over in London. So I might try and get hold of him if we can and just talk about uh, the development pathways program that has uh, really gained some traction in recent years at Penrith. Get in touch with us, won't you? 0457 736 736. We'll talk anything you like, rugby league related, hopefully. Uh, if you want to jump on the phone, you can. 1300 1170 1-300-01-1170. This is Higher Ground, Monday the 27th of September. Yeah, bring it on, ladies and gentlemen, and great to have your company again. This is our last higher ground on a Monday night at least uh, for season 2021. Uh, we'll be back on air on Wednesday and then a special grand final preview on Thursday. Um, and I think, well, that'll probably be it for the season. Uh, we're running in sync with the season, but great to have your company. I hope you've enjoyed this show right throughout the year. And uh, we've got another you know, jam-packed few hours coming up. We'll be here all the way up until midnight tonight. Um, and we'll be taking your calls as well. So an open invitation for you to jump on the open line if you want to have a chat with uh, me or you can chat with him over there, the mad Russian, if you want. He's always got a thing or two to say. Uh, grand final week. It's great, isn't it, though? Uh, the, all the build-up um, and these two teams. Uh, it's great to see you. An all-Sydney grand final. A bit weird, isn't it, being played in Brisbane for the first time? Um, but that's just the way it is. They'll get a full house up there, no doubt. Uh, and we would have got a full house down here, uh, 100,000 or so, or well, not quite, but at ANZ. Anyway, look, uh, who knows what's going to happen in years to come, but, uh, well, who can argue? Uh, the two best teams are there. You, you can't say that they aren't because they have come through the 25 rounds and uh, a gruelling uh, final series, and the two best teams have arrived. So you, even though Melbourne were minor premiers, um, they're gone. It's been a really bruising run, hasn't it, for Penrith? And I've asked the question yesterday on the NRL Match Day show, and uh, I'll be asking a bit later on too when I, I speak with Scotty Sattler. Uh, what's the general opinion, the genuine uh, or general rather opinion out there with, with Penrith? I'm hearing, you know, and I'll put my hand up. Yep, I thought they were looking a bit tired after that uh, narrow win against Parramatta, and I really did not think they would have enough juice in the tank to take on Melbourne and beat them. But again, they've proved me wrong. Um, they are a young team. They've recovered well. And the the stat that I, I keep, uh, I can't believe it. They have only scored four tries in three back-to-back -back finals games. Four tries in three games has been enough for Penrith to go into the grand final. As I said in that little opener there, it just goes to show defense wins the big games. They have conceded four tries. Hmm in three finals games as well. Um, and that one from Nathan Cleary on the chest of Crichton, wasn't that a beauty? Wasn't that a beauty? Uh, Mad Russian, I know you're itching to um, to fast forward almost to Sunday because it it's going to be a belter of a match, whichever way you look at it. And South Sydney, I know there's that big stat hanging out there too. They had 50 points put on them by Penrith and 50 put on them by Melbourne and no team can win the premiership, blah, 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 having done that or conceded 50. But you've got to acknowledge that the last, I don't know, six, eight games, rounds of the season, they were the form team. I'm looking forward to this grand final because it puts to bed one of the worst NRL storylines from the season either way. One, if Souths win, the 50-point stat goes out the window. It's just a ridiculous stat in the modern game. 
I hate that it gets brought up every time a team gets beaten by 50 points, so that would put that to bed. Yes. On the other side, if Penrith win, it puts to bed the ridiculous notion that they're somehow chokers. I don't know how that's not been put to bed already. How the fact they they've beaten be Storms. How can they be chokers? Well, that's... Some in the media have been pushing that narrative. Oh, that don't if Penrith... the knuckleheads in the media. For what? God's sake, have I not taught you anything, <laughs> Mad Rusky? So if beating the Storm last weekend didn't prove that already, they can well and truly put it to bed by yep. beating South Sydney on the weekend. Yep, 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 yep. I'm asking you this. So our topic tonight for you, um, if you, you're feeling a little bit shy to get involved with the program, we're open invitation for you to get involved, Okay. Don't forget our six-pack rule. But the topic is your favourite grand final moment. Okay, now that's very open, isn't it? Your favourite grand final moment. If you want to say what your worst grand final moment is, that's all right as well. Send the text through 0457 736 736. And as I say, if you uh, would like to pick up the phone and have your say, um, you can do that as well on the open line. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Don't forget the six-pack rule, though. If you've had uh, more than six brewskis, we strongly recommend you just send your thoughts through via text. Ain't that right, Brusky? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm looking for the correct marker. I've missed it. Don't, Don't worry, worry about, about it. it. Move it. on. It. Move on. Play on. Six again. Six again. Away we go. Now, Dally M Awards. So let's go through it. Um, let's go through it. I'll go through firstly. We'll do Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Captain of the Year, and all the positions, and then we'll give you the Dally M Player of the Year and build a little bit of suspense. If my panel ops over there, he'll have the drum rolls ready, he'll have the the applause ready, he'll have all that sort of stuff going on for you. So um, just don't panic over there on the uh, on the panels. All right, but uh, let's just go through. Well, they're not minor, are they? They're anything but minor. Coach of the year. Who do you think it went to? Do you think it went to Trent Robinson, Desi Hasler, Wayne Bennett, Craig Bellamy? It could have gone to any one of those and, and maybe even another one as well who I've probably missed out, Ivan Cleary. Ladies and gentlemen, Dallium Coach of the Year is... Craig Bellamy. Very, very good. Hey, you can tell the 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 uh, yeah the boss man's on the panel tonight. He's he's good, isn't he? Rookie of the year, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I don't think we had a late scratching with Reese Walsh. He was still eligible, wasn't he? Or um, despite his um, um, transgressions um, over the past twenty four hours, um, he's still eligible. But rookie of the year, there were a few of them. Rookie of the Year, and uh, I'm all for this one too. Rookie of the Year, Dally M, ladies and gentlemen, goes to... Young Sam Walker from the Roosters. <laughs> captain of the Year, does it go to the team, uh, the captain of the minor premiers? Um, does it go to uh, the captain of... Of the Panthers, does it go to maybe the captain of Manly? Uh, his team were running like bustards. How on earth did they finish in the top four? Does it go to the captain of the Roosters? I mean, um, their team was also busted, literally, but they managed to go um, so, so far into the season. Captain of the year, Dallium captain of the year is... From the Roosters, James Tedesco. 
All right, we won't have all the song and dance for the next awards, but I will go through fullback of the year. Went to Tom Trebojevic from Manly. Wingers for the year, Dally M's, Brian To'o and Ruben Garrick. Okay, he had the top point scorer award award last week as well, Ruben Garrick. I mean, how do you leave him out? He's been exceptional. The centres of the year, one of them didn't get an invite. One was Matt Burton for Penrith heading to Canterbury. The other, Justin Olam, centres of the year. Five-eighths of the year, well, no prizes here, I don't think, and he was in the is in the Dally M voting as well. It goes to Cody Walker. Halfback of the year, again, no dramas with this one, Nathan Cleary. Prop of the year, there's two of them, Payne Haas and James Fisher-Harris. I agree with both of them. Hooker of the year, I agree with this one as well. Melbourne Storm, Brandon Smith, the two second rowers of the year. Isaiah Papali and Viliami Kikau. And the lock of the year, yeah, I'm all for this one as well, to Penrith's Isaiah Yo. So there you have um, the team positions of the year. All right, now for the big one. And uh, we might even hear from the winner as well. Ladies and gentlemen, your 2021 Dally M Award winner is... From Manly, Tom Trebojevic. Well done. And Tommy is uh, on the stage now. Uh, Tom, um, you must feel so, so proud. Yeah, I'll start off by saying, um, you know, what an honour it is to, to win this award. Um, you know, I was just reading through the, the past winners just then and... Uh, to be recognised amongst that list, it's uh, it's pretty special, and uh, you know I don't think it ever really sink in. I'll start with the thank yous to the NRL and the Queensland government. Um, you know what they've done over the past three months has been, you know, it's remarkable. You know, transferring the whole game up here and um, being able to play footy and just just doing what we love doing. Everyone's very thankful for that, and you know we, we can't thank them enough. To the Manly boys, to Desi, Chez and, and the playing group, um, couldn't have done this one without you. Uh, this medal is a beneficiary of all your hard work and effort and I can't thank you enough for it. Uh, to the family back home, mum and dad, uh, you know how much I love and miss you. Uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me over the years and like I said before, this medal's you know, on the back of everything you've done for me and you know, without you two, I, I, I wouldn't be getting it. So big thank you. All the best, guys. Well, I mean, uh, and well done, Tom. Well done. Yeah, keep those applause going. Um, who can possibly argue with uh, Tom Trebojevic taking out the uh, the best of the best? Uh, what an amazing season from Tommy Turbo. I'm um, just looking through some of those stats. And, you know, we, we continued each week shaking our heads at how he just continues to deliver week in, week out. And he kept doing it and doing it. And doing it, and he becomes the third player in manly history behind uh, Clippy Lyons, 1990 and 1994, and then Matt Orford in 2008 to win the award um, in a record-breaking year. So uh, he polled 35 votes ahead of uh, Panthers halfback Nathan Cleary, 30, and Rabbitohs 5'8", Cody Walker, 29. Daly Cherry Evans and uh, James Tedesco. Um, 
both rounded out the top five. So uh, Turbo, he collected 15 points in six rounds before voting went behind closed doors. Uh, before a further eight points in the middle part of the season. His 25 tries in 16 games during the regular season came with 30 line breaks, 105 line breaks, and 27 try assists. Um, one of those must mean missed uh, bro- uh, tackle breaks, I think, rather than line breaks. But anyway, you look at it. <coughs> Just an incredible season from from Tommy Turbo. So well done to you, Tom. Um Mate, stand, stand tall, stand proud. And, uh, you know, the scary thing is the best is yet to come mm. from Tommy Turbo. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number. Looking for your uh, most memorable grand final moments as we count down uh, to this Sunday. Uh, Shane uh, from Marrickville on the line. Good evening, Shane. G'day, Chris. How are you, mate? I'm good, champ. How you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, I'm... Uh... Well, it's Peter Ster- going to be Peter Sterling's last call on Channel 9. Yes, on grand final day. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's been a wonderful um, season, a series of, of decades for, for Sterlo behind the microphone and obviously um, in the mighty blue and gold as well. Shane, can you declare your colours firstly? Uh, I'm going to go um, south You've... in the grand final. Are you a South Sydney fan? You're from Marrickville, huh? No, I'm a Parramatta. Yeah, but I'm a Parramatta fan. But but I'm going for South in this one because I'd love to see it for Wayne Bennett and Adam Reynolds. Yeah, no, well, mate, no one can begrudge them that. Um, it could be a fairy tale finish, and also Benji Marshall. We don't know if it will be his last um, game. Uh, but so many reasons for South Sydney to win it. So many reasons for Penrith to win it. I reckon it'll be a ding-dong battle. Uh, yeah, but for Sterlo, mate, yeah, he's he's been a wonderful ambassador for the game. He'll still be playing, you know, very much involved with the game. Um, but I've loved uh, listening to him and his banter with uh, Gus and Rabs and Fatty uh, all over the years. It's really become an institution, mate. So, yeah, uh, all our best wishes to uh, to Sterlo for his final uh, final game on Channel 9 on Sunday. Yeah, and what time's the kickoff? Because New South Wales goes into daylight saving too this week too. You're right, it does. When does daylight saving kick in? That's uh, early hours on Sunday, isn't it? So you're right, there will be a disparity yes, between yes. between Queensland time and New South Wales time. They will surely come into New South Wales time at sort of peak hour-ish or prime time, I would think around about 8 o'clock. Um, just try to check yes, with um, which is seven o'clock there. That'd be which right. Which is seven o'clock Queensland time. That would be right. They um, they would not do it. I'm sure they would not do it. Eight o'clock Queensland time, meaning nine o'clock. Um, it is seven thirty Sydney time. You're saying, yeah, okay. So seven thirty Sydney time. So that'll be six thirty Queensland time. Mm. That's Queensland good. time, yeah. Yeah, um, Queensland time. I mean, they're all on Queensland time up there. Shane, thanks for your call, mate. It's good and nice. Thanks for picking up the phone and, and sentiments to Peter Sterling, uh, who will call his final game on Sunday. You can join hey, Shane. Chris. Thanks, champion. Uh, join me again soon. Uh, you can join Shane if you want to have your say. Um, we're looking for favourite and most memorable grand final moments. And uh, you can send through your texts or you can pick up the phone. Uh, it might be um, it might be a try that was scored or a a break that was made or or any moment around grand final day. It might have been you and your family uh, watching the game at home. Uh, for me, I reckon um, 
Yeah, I've got a few, actually. I've got a few. We'll go through mine a bit later if you want, or I can throw a couple of them out there for we'll, you now. We'll filter them through the show. Filter so. them through the show. I tell you one of them, one of them, and I remember I remember the exact seat that I was sitting in at the mm. Sydney Football Stadium, uh, Royce scoring his second mm. for Penrith, and then there was that big bear hug. He jumped up into the uh, the crutch almost of MG. I remember it vividly down there at the um, the southeastern corner of the SFS um, and Penrith winning their, their maiden premiership in 1991. I thought that was really, really special. So, um, yeah, that's probably one of, of mine. Uh, what are you nodding your head at? You've got, oh, oh, you got the comps? We've got oh, the commentary go. of it. Hit play. And there it is, one-point lead to the Canberra Raiders. Meninga's picked it up. Chip and George has got support too. Well, that wasn't 1991, but that was another great grand final moment. Uh, Jackson uh, um, against against uh, Balmain, Canberra Balmain. Can you remember that? It was just epic. And uh, he, well, it, I actually played with Steve Jackson out at West Magpies in the, uh, the twilight of his career. And that story, I mean, it just mm. grows and grows by the year. He beat about 16 players and uh, crawled his way through about another 14 players to get there. But... You know what? He almost did. Mm. He almost did. He had no right to score that try. Um, Steve Jackson, yeah, what a what a great player. Mm. Good fella too. Real laconic sort of guy and laid back. Um, yeah. Well, that's one of the yeah, big memorable moment there as well. Nineteen ninety one, that was that was mine though. I got a couple of others as well. I was um I was there in nineteen eighty one as well, Parramatta's very first mm. premiership. Nineteen eighty one, um and eighty two. And 83. I was there for all of them. And um, I can't recall if it was 81, 82 or 83. But um, they all came back to Parramatta Leagues Club. I'm pretty sure it was the 81 grand final. And Cumberland Stadium had been, uh, or Cumberland Oval had been burnt down. And uh, before they went up into the Leagues Club and the auditorium, there were hundreds and thousands of people just wanting to see their stars, their their heroes. And the trainer then, uh, it was a trainer, Joe Joseph, and he was a dear friend of my father and, and, and mine as well, our family. You know, I used to call him Uncle Joe. He was the masseuse. Um, big, big man with big, big hands, Lebanese. And um, he's no longer with us, uh, Joe. But he, um, he had a massive truck. He used to take around all those big cable wheels. You know those big cable wheels? that you, They're huge. They're bigger than dining room tables. Well, he had all these um, cable wheels on the back of his truck. He cleared them off and... It was your makeshift, makeshift stage um, out on um, O'Connell Street, just out the front of, of Parramatta Leagues Club. And I remember it vividly. It was like unbelievable. It was like the Easter show. You just could not move. And all the players came up one by one on the back of the truck, and I would have only been uh, 11. I would have been 11 at the, at the time. And my dad was up there giving, um, doing the, the post-match MC. And, oh, man, I remember those scenes vividly. 1981, Parramatta's... Very first uh, premiership. That's one of my most memorable moments. Let me know yours, 0457 736 736, or you can uh, jump on the open line and we'll have a chat about it. 1300 
1170. This is uh, Higher Ground with me, Chris Warren, as we count down to Grand Final Day 2021. Short drop out by Canberra and Evan. Oh, it goes Gaia! gets it, Racing Yeah, Roycey, and uh, I heard him on uh, Drive with Joel and Fletch the other day. Uh, great character, isn't he, Roycey Simmons? And I remember it vividly. I was there, and I remember exactly what seat I was sitting in. Uh, their very first uh, premiership. Brandy was uh, was the skipper, obviously, and and MG. I know him very well. Um, we would end up uh, being teammates um, together over in the Western Red. So um, I know Mark pretty well. I was speaking to Lee Hopkins today. I'm going to chat to him a bit later on, um, but I was just asking if he, if he wouldn't mind coming on. And he did say that um, MG's young fella, Maverick, is is well and truly in the system out there, uh, and keep an eye on him. I was asking him any uh, any we should keep an eye on in the years to come, and he did say that Maverick Gaia is certainly one to watch and doing really really well. So um, yeah, what a moment there! One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. We're throwing the question out there to uh, our listeners. Uh, your great grand final moments or memories? Uh, what are they? Send them through via text or jump on the line like uh, John has done. Uh, John, good evening. Hey, Chris. How are you, mate? I'm good, bud. How you doing? I'm going good, mate. I'm going good. Um, mate, I've got a few. I'll go through just quickly. Yeah, take your time. I think my most vivid memory, my most vivid memory and I was there, yeah. was the great Lord Ted. Yes. Lord Teddy Good, where he knocked himself out and scored that try. That was... What year, would that, have, what, what year would that have been? That was, I think it was the replay of 77, I think. Uh, when they played uh, Parramatta. Parramatta, yeah. Parramatta, I was there. I was there. Uh, no, yeah. I wasn't. I was there. I was there on the um, on the Sunday or the Saturday, whatever it was, and it was nine all, I think, from memory. And they had to come back on either the Tuesday or the Wednesday night for the replay. And my parents wouldn't let me go because I was only seven years of age, and I had to go to school. Yeah, well, yeah, I was uh, I was sixteen, so yeah, I. I remember, I remember vividly that. But I used to love to watch uh, Teddy Goodwin play. He was such a special player, you know. Oh yeah, and, uh, what a great man too, Teddy. I know, I know Lord Ted pretty well. Um, talking of Western Western Reds connection, he was uh, was over there, Lord Ted, and was very much involved in setting the whole Western Australian Rugby League uh, development up. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I yes. know, look, I, I, know, I know some people that know him well. And, Good fellow. Yeah, they say, he, he was a great, yeah, they say he was a great, great guy. Thorough, but, thorough uh, gentleman. Was, yeah. Now, the other one, look, I remember, what about old Chica Ferguson in that grand final? I think it was 89, wasn't it? 89. the best grand final of all time when he scored that, the try to virtually win it for them. Yes. Uh, not... He scored the try, I think, to level it, wasn't it? To go to oh. extra time, was I think. You got me on the hop there scored, to level it. It was to level it. Yeah, it was to level it. Yes. It wasn't yeah, it here was play to, to watch. Oh, my God. And they, they reckon he used to have a packet of cigarettes before we went on. Yeah, well, that wasn't. I think a few of them. I think a few of them used to do that back in the day. And I can tell you this too, John. I and I won't, I won't give any names away. But uh, when I was playing out with West Magpies, so this was in the very early nineties. There were a couple yeah. there that didn't mind a durry or two um, before yeah. they went on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
that was a common thing in those days. I imagine those guys today, they'd be, you know, I reckon they'd have been even better players with all the stuff well. they've got going on today. Yeah. Um, look, being a, as you know, I'm a St. George supporter and uh, um, I love the Dragons and uh, been giving me a bit of heartache, but I can tell you one of the biggest uh, heartaches I had with the Dragons was 1985. Now, my son was born, my oldest boy was born in 85 and I remember bringing him home on the Friday from the hospital and yeah. uh, and we played and we got all three grades in the grand final and uh, I think Roy Masters was the coach and uh, Craig I Young remember, captain? I, no, I, no, it would have been uh, no, 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 it was, no, it was after, after, after um, Craig, wasn't it? I remember who the coach well, the winger was, was Morris Slippery, uh, Morris yeah. Dad, yeah Yeah, Slippery, Slippery Steve, yeah. And, yeah and you remember like in the in the reserve no not reserve grade the under twenty threes we were down by about twelve with about five or ten to go we come back and won yeah. and uh, do you remember Mark Cannon uh, yes Chris, do you remember yes him? yes I do yeah Big he was the reserve grade yeah blonde haired guy he yeah. came from North and he played with us and he, he we had such a good side he didn't even he didn't make our first grade but he was captain of reserve grade. Yeah, and if my memory serves me correctly, don't quote me on this. We were down by about eighteen points. Yeah, and on grand final day in the reserve, we come back and won that. Wow. So I thought this is a bloody omen. We're going to win this, and all Canterbury did was get, was poor old Glenn Burgess. You remember Glenn Burgess? I do remember Our Glenn fullback? Burgess. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah you remember yeah. they changed the rules after that grand final? You know, remember because they kept bombing him. Steve Mortimer kept bombing him, and, and Glenn Burgess didn't drop one. And he kept coming out to drop it out. You yeah. remember that? Yeah, vaguely, and vaguely. Yeah. Yeah, and the year just... after that, they changed the rule that if you catch the ball in the in goal, yeah. you come back to the quarter line. I'm just trying so to picture Glenn Bird. Yeah, mate. Yeah, 1985 Dragons um, Bulldogs. Johnny, thanks for jumping on the line, mate. They're great memories. And, and you talk about comebacks and that reserve grade Dragons comeback. I was watching mm. a couple of days ago, there was the replay of that um, Parramatta uh, Canterbury. Uh, was it the major semi final when the, or was it, was it the grand final? No, no, no. I can't remember what it was. And Parramatta were uh, up 18 nil or 18 2 with about 10 to go. And, um, dogs came home and, and got them. Mm. Um, favourite finals moments, or more specifically, favourite grand final moments and memories. Um, drop us a, a line or jump on the on the open line. The uh, the line is there. The forum is yours. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. This is higher ground with me, Chris Warren, and him, the Mad Russian, and uh, we'll be here through until uh, midnight. Um, this one, Steve from Padstow, has jumped on the line. One South Sydney player in the Dallium Awards team. What? exclamation mark, question mark. Well, I'll go through again the Dallium of the Year, Team of the Year for you if you have just uh, joined us. I, I did it at the top of the show. Uh, fullback of the Year, Tom Trebojevic. The wingers, Brian Toto and Ruben Garrick. The centres, Justin Olam and Matt Burton. 5'8", Cody Walker. Halfback, Nathan Cleary. The two props, Payne Haas and James Fisher-Harris. The hooker, Brandon Smith. Second row, Isaiah Papali and Viliami Kikau. And Isaiah Yo is the lock. So um, Steve's annoyed that there's just one South Sydney player in the team and South Sydney are into the grand final on Sunday. There is also um, only two Melbourne players in there. Mm. There's also only two Manly players. <coughs> yeah, one South Sydney player, one Brisbane in Payne Haas and one Parramatta in Isaiah Papali. But there are six Penrith players. 
Six mm. of the 13 uh, Penrith players. Is that perhaps maybe an omen heading into uh, Sunday? Don't know. No. Um, get in touch with us. Uh, this one here. Uh, g'day, Warren from Blacktown. Hello, Warren. Uh, good evening to you, mate. Uh, if the state of origin is after the premiership, well, Penrith would have won the minor premiership. Cleary would have been Dalian player of the year. Well, we'll never know, will we? He did miss out on a few games, didn't he? Got injured, and um, but oh, I, I can't say that with any certainty at all. And to counter that point, if Tommy doesn't get injured at the start of the season, who's to say he doesn't keep up the pace he had late in the year? Very well. Very good point. Well made, Mad Russian. You're so, right. So uh, not quite sure that's uh, spot on there, Warren, uh, from Blacktown. You may be right. You may be uh, wrong. We'll never know. There's a song coming out of me there. You may be right. I may be crazy. What's that one? Uh, Chipmunk Punk, I <laughs> think it was. straight over my head. Is it? Well, you're too young. Or I'm too old. Or maybe a bit of each. Uh, g'day, boys. I really hope the NRL honour our greats who have passed away in the last 12 months, uh, like uh, Bozo and... And they did. And Tommy. They did tonight. Yeah. No, I think they're referring to on grand final day. Oh. Um, and I'm sure they will. That's nice, from Linda. Nice piece tonight. So was there? It was good. Oh, yeah, good. Very good to see. Good, good, good. All right, we'll keep those texts coming through. Sophie from Newport has also sent a text through, but I'm I'm um, I'm reluctant to read it. Um, it's inferencing um, it's inferencing illicit drugs and the use thereof, and uh, I don't think we should go down that track. But a young, uh, young, young, young players, young athletes sometimes get themselves in a, a bit of bother, don't they? Mm. On uh, speaking of which, Reese Walsh, by the way, and I don't want to go down this track too much because it's a bit of a negative and mm-hmm. blight in the game. But he he put his hand up yesterday. He couldn't do any more about that. He Reese Walsh. He admitted he'd done wrong. He made a bad choice. I just hope that he learns from it. I hope that he learns from it because he has got the world at his feet. The club is uh, being very supportive of him. We don't know what the sanctions are yesterday, and this was uh, over the weekend being. Uh, caught with some cocaine in his in his pocket, which he had used. He admitted to using earlier in the night, right? You know, I, I just I will say this, um, <laughs> fellas, like you, you're getting paid a squillion to do what so many people would would do for, uh, I, I imagine next to nothing. You know, playing in in first grade, playing in the NRL, a dream come true. You've got to pinch yourself and realise just how bloody fortunate you are to be doing what you love. And being well played, well paid for it. You know, you just got to make some sacrifices if you want to go and do all that stuff. Well, go and do it when you retire. But while you're wearing the NRL emblem, and maybe I'm being a bit righteous here, and uh, maybe I should pull my head out of my own ass. But look, is it too much of a sacrifice to make during this ten year period where I'm going to get paid shed loads of dosh? I'll just keep my nose clean, quite literally, mm-hmm. for a decade. Um. I don't know. Maybe, may I don't know. Maybe it's sensible. Chris saying being too sensible. Maybe I'm not living in the real world, but that's sort of how I feel on the issue. But I just hope back onto the Reese Walsh. He learns a lesson from it, and he doesn't step out of line again and and gets rid of that crap. Mm. He's got too much going for him. Too much going. And any young, any young kid or teenager that wants to go down that path, whether it be with cannabis or or white powder or pills or whatever it is, you know, it's a slippery, slippery slope. And if you do get a wake-up call nice and early in that slippery journey, well, that's a good thing. Mm. Take heed. Learn from it. Um, Because, as I say, he's got the world 
at his feet. I see there's another story coming out uh, late this afternoon too, and uh, the NRL has been made. This was on the Wild World of Sports website mm-hmm. firstly, um, broken by Danny Widler. So the NRL is aware of a video on social media that allegedly shows uh, Melbourne Storm players in a room where there is a white substance on a table. Uh, could be talcum powder. Mm. Might not be. Could be aspirin, Bex. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of headaches in that mob at the moment. Danny Widler, he's tweeted, it's too early to say an investigation has been launched, but the NRL Integrity Unit has been notified. He said, uh, Widler, having seen the video, it's not a great look. Another concern is they have been betrayed by people in the room with them. So the uh, video allegedly shows two Storm players in a room, which is at least six people in it, including the person filming. Uh, the Storm were bundled, as we know, out of the premiership race on Saturday, uh, 10-6, lost to Penrith. And the video emerged only a day after uh, Warriors Young Gun, as we've just been speaking about, Reese Walsh was arrested on the Sunshine Coast. I thought it was uh, the Gold Coast he was on. Was he on Sunshine Coast, was he? I thought it was the Gold Coast yeah, too. Yeah, so maybe it's a typo in this uh, this report. And uh, Reese later admitted to being in possession of cocaine. All right, I don't want to talk any more about that rubbish because, uh, as you know, I'm uh, strongly against uh, uh, that type of stuff. It's not my go. Uh, love a few brewskis and drinking responsibly, but the other stuff you can um, you can keep that. I don't need it. Don't need it. And, uh, again, my advice to any any young person out there, uh, think twice about it. Think three times about it. Say no to it because uh, I think your life will be a lot rosier long term. This is Higher Ground coming up to 19 to 10. Well, there have been many sons who have followed in their father's footsteps and gone on to make a name for themselves in the NRL. Loads, in fact, and, and far too many to mention. Uh, the Morris twins and their father, Slippery Steve, Matt Rogers and his late dad, Steve, uh, the Prince of Centres, uh, Brett um, and Bill Mullins as well, Mitchell and Wayne Pierce, Curtis and Bailey Sirenen and their dad Paul, and of course the father-son duo hoping to take Penrith to its third title on Sunday, Nathan and Ivan Cleary. I'm sure there have also been a number of father-son duos that have each won premierships and some possibly for the very same club. But there is one famous rugby league surname that is etched in grand final folklore, and that name is Sattler. John Sattler was a hard-nosed prop who played almost 200 games for the Bunnies, captaining South Sydney to four premierships in 1967, 68, 70 and 71. In the 1970 decider, he broke his jaw at a couple of places about 10 minutes into the match against Manly and simply refused to be taken off. In fact, he ordered his teammate Mike Cleary to hold him up so they don't know that he was hurt. It's the stuff of legend. Of course, such behaviour pretty much outlawed today. The match was only minutes old when Sattler's jaw was literally shattered in this incident. Ball goes to Morgan this time. The crossfielder fight starting out already, but Lancashire allowing play to go on. His longtime compatriot up front, John O'Neill. And I said to him, I said, uh, you've lost a couple of teeth, that's to go quietly spoke, and his whole jaw wobbled. And I said, oh, gee whiz, mate. I said, you broke your jaw, you better get off the field. He said, no, I'll be all right. I said, no, come and get off. I said, you've got a broken jaw. I said, it's smashed. He, he, uh, he stayed on, you couldn't get him off. There's no wonder we can keep him down. That was a brilliant effort. It was a great effort. It was just, a, just sheer uh, uh, toughness and guts. 
His son, Scott, played more than 100 games for Penrith and also became a grand final hero in 2003. Yeah, we all know that tackle. One of the most talked about tackles in grand final history. A textbook try-saving cover tackle on Todd Byrne that helped the Panthers to premiership glory over the Roosters. And now it's from Printers, away the girdler. It's come off the feet of the Roosters. Fiddler's gone after it. Then he scoops the ball away to Byrne. Byrne puts on a fend. Then he puts on a sprint. Sattler is chasing. Sattler is made. The tackle of the day. What a tackle by Scott Sattler. That's one of the greatest tackles you will ever see in any game. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable it was. It's quite unique then. Um... It is now father and son duo, Sattlers, whose surname is etched in grand final folklore, uh, will sort of be on opposite sides of the fence on Sunday when their former premiership winning rivals go head-to-head on Sunday. Scotty Sattler joins us on higher ground, mate. Thanks very much for joining me, Scotty. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, Chrissy. Uh, thanks very much for, for having me on. And the way you mapped it out, actually, I, had, I never thought about it that way, that... Um yeah, that Dad and I, our old clubs are combatants this week, but um, I didn't realise that there probably wouldn't be too many where the, no. where the clubs have gone gone up against each other. So, yeah, it's a, um, it's it's uh, it's different. I know that, and uh, we've already started sledging each other this week. So um, <laughs> that started pretty early on Sunday morning. So yeah. uh, it's, it's an exciting week. It always is, and. Yeah, the way that it's played out. It's a team that I followed my entire childhood and still love the Bunnies because basically part of the family DNA and, of, of course, a, a club that I, that I played um, uh, a lot of games for but and just love the, love the community, the Panthers community. I heard you earlier tonight on your show, uh, Sports Day Sats, um, and uh, you're asked the question, how is Dad? I'll ask you the same question, but... You, uh, you you said that he's enjoying the build-up and um, take take us through that. He's enjoying that uh, the premiership success for the Bunnies wasn't too long ago. Exactly. I remember when it happened in 2014. I remember being at the grand final, uh, grand final luncheon with him at, at South Sydney Juniors. It was a, it was a, a great day and, and so it should have been when your, your team is about to play in a grand final and and I remember him saying to me, I can't believe it's taken this long. Of course, there'd been a, a couple of other times when South probably should have played in the grand final. Probably most notably would have been 1989 when they were the minor premiers, but they were bundled out in straight sets. And, and he said, I can't believe it's taken this long you know, since uh, 1971. And, and he was only saying to me today, he said, oh, I'm just glad it hasn't taken as long as what it did the last time. Now, the Bunnies have had a, a few shots and have, have bundled out in the in the grand final qualifier. But yeah, he's just he's just happy that he's just happy that South haven't had to wait, and, and their fans, and most importantly, their fans. He's glad that their fans haven't had to wait too long since 2014. Well, this is the first ever grand final between uh, your respective clubs, Penrith and the Bunnies, and and this is a first then, uh, Scotty for. For you and and your dad, I, I say on opposite sides of the fence, but uh, you were a Mad Bunnies fan yourselves, as you pointed out. So uh, I guess it's no, it's win-win for you, isn't it? Yeah, sort of. I mean, I was telling someone today, that I was, uh, I remember as, as a kid that I used to, um, you know, go and put dad's jerseys on and, and play knee footy in the in the lounge room against myself, and and every time I played footy, I was Bob McCarthy. Bob McCarthy was just my hero you know, growing up, and. 
Uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate um, each and every year to you know, the former South Sydney players when when they'd all come up to whatever pub we owned in Queensland and they'd all sit around and they'd yeah. they'd get on the get on the middies and they'd uh, all tell stories and 12 months later I'd be sitting at the end of the table listening to the exact same stories and yeah. that was it was a great childhood and um, and the the rugby league players that, that I had access to and. Um, and still fortunate enough to stay, still be in contact with a few of them now, like Ron Putin and, and probably mostly Bobby McCarthy. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do win either way. They win either way on Sunday. But in saying that as well, it's, it's also it's also you get disappointed for a side that doesn't doesn't get to uh, you know, raise the cup on on Sunday as well. I was listening to Mike Cleary speaking yesterday on another radio show, and, uh, gee, he still speaks well, Mike, doesn't he? But he speaks so fondly of your dad, Scott. Um, and obviously, when you've been in the trenches together, you, you know those memories that, that you build, and the bond is, um, you know, it's unbreakable, isn't it? Uh, but it, it really close to your dad. And, and, and he, I don't know your dad very well, but the stories that my old man tells me about your dad, and they used to go on the speaking scene uh, circuit uh, yeah. many many years back together. He says he's a terrific fella. Um, but I tell you what, he, he knows how to throw them. And he's not. He wasn't the biggest prop either, was he, John? No, he only played at about 96, 96 kilos. I think he played at. And yeah. Yeah, front rowers, you're either, you're either big or you or you weren't at all. You know, back there there was in the in the front row there was a lot of really big big front rowers like your Kevin Rollins and your. your um, there were the, and John O'Neill was a big front rower and uh, Cliffy Watson big front rowers. But no, he was he started out as a as a second rower as a lock first. He only started playing footy at the age of sixteen, and that was just through reluctance. Actually, he didn't want to play. He thought it was too rough the game. And um, it was one day he's walking his horses in Curry Curry, and his best mate said, "Oh, we, we're down one playing touch. Can you come and fill in?" And yeah. he played under sixteen that week, and and then played under eighteen the following year, and then. The year after that, he when he was still 18, he made the, the Newcastle side that played the Touring Ponds. And, um, you know, Billy Boston and um, uh, Huddett and those great Pommy players, and they beat them. The Newcastle combined team beat yeah. them at Newcastle Showground. And and um, he never played a reserve grade game his, his whole life. He went 16, 18, first grade, and then went to Sydney the following year. And was nearly signed with the St. George Dragons, actually. Um, but... Uh, South Sydney signed him at midnight one night and the next day he's in a car going down to Sydney and um, for the first two years he drove back and forth from Sydney to Curry Curry, Newcastle after training three days a week and for the game. So, um, you know, yeah, he was a reluctant rugby league player and, and then obviously forged a really successful rugby league career where he went on and not only won comps but represented his country and captained his country as well. And, you know, I, you know what, Chrissy, I... You are right. I've never seen him lose a fight in my life. Um, and li- living and growing up in the pubs, we got to see a fair bit, my sister and I, I that you probably did. wouldn't expose a lot of kids to. But no. uh, you know what? What makes me really proud is when you, you talk to people and you see the way that he's celebrating the game and exactly what you said about your, your great dad. That mm. He's always really re- respected and spoken about about how, how much of a gentleman he is in the game. And that's what probably makes us really happy about how he's how he's thought of as a as a as a person off the field. Yeah, yeah chip off the old block in many ways. I, I don't. Know, was he as quick as you, or you got a bit more speed than John had? No, I had a little bit more speed yeah, than yeah. the old man. His legs are a lot chunkier than mine too. So, um, yeah. you know, he he was a, he was a very skillful player. Dad. Everyone remind, gets reminded of how tough he was, but he's actually a very good ball player, actually, for a front row. So, mm. um, 
yeah, but yeah, he won't go to the game this week. He's, you know, he's he still looks good. His health is good, but mm. you know, he's he's suffering the effects of the, the game, and he had a car accident in '79, um, really bad car accident. And he had a stroke a few years ago as well, about four years ago. So. You know, he's suffering the effects of that. But why I ask, mate, on that speed front, I mean, that, that try-saving tackle on Todd Byrne, I was uh, Googling it today, and I think I think Byrne said something like, oh, you know, maybe I, I had a bit of a stumble, and, and maybe if I hadn't, I would have got round him. I don't know about that. I didn't see much of a stumble. Did you? Oh, yeah, Lukey Lewis, he sort of, he got a, a last minute, a, a, he tried to tackle him, Luke Lewis, and he got around Lukey Lewis, and he, he got a bit of a... Um, bit of a wobble. He got a bit of contact in him, which, which wobbled him up a little bit, and he, he was yeah. able to straighten himself and take off. I, I tell you what, Chris, I mean, in all honesty, it was, a, it was a dry night. It was pouring rain that night, and if it was a dry night, he, you know, he would have hit me and scored underneath the goalpost. But being a, a wet night, it sort of brings everyone else back to the field. And, um, and I, I always thought it was a chance of possibly getting him, at least getting him to score in the corner. But I remember... You couldn't hear a thing in the crowd that night. I mean, in big games, you can't. But I could hear Reese West and my fullback saying that and my nickname was Scooter. And he said, oh, Scooter, I've got you inside. And I thought, yeah. well, if I just go really hard and he steps inside, Reese West will pick him up. But fortunately enough for me, it was, it was wet and he kept going straight and I was able to get really good contact on him. Do you remember grand final week, Sats, the build-up to 2003? Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday, actually. We didn't train that much because there's, there's so many commitments. You know, there's a the grand final breakfast and all the media commitments. and um, But I can't remember training that much, but I can remember the amount of commitments we had. I remember the grand final breakfast, how relaxed we were. I remember we walked from our accommodation along uh, Darling Harbour to where the breakfast was and, and all the media were waiting for us to get off a bus and we walked just along the Darling Harbour wharfs there and we turned up and I remember talking to Andrew Johns after the grand final breakfast and he just said to me, I can't believe how relaxed you guys are and we had a quite a young group of players as well a little bit like this year's Panthers side and and um yeah so I, I and I remember Roosters being really nervous uh I remember I remember sitting in the in the uh where the reserves sit watching our second grade team play in the grand final against Canberra and I remember looking up at the screen and it, I was always just going the dressing shed really really late to get straight strapped up and I remember looking up and seeing Anthony Minatello on the big screen on the camera in the dressing set. He was really nervous. And then it crossed to a little bit. showed Preston Campbell, you know, mucking around laughing. A couple of people playing cards in the background. And, and yeah, we were really relaxed all week. And, and that was because of John Lang. It was on the Monday of grand final week, um, much like it would have been today for South and Penrith, he, he just said to us, he said, guys, you know, the, the Roosters are a big team. They run hard and they tackle hard. And so our game plan is we're going to run harder and we're going to tackle harder and mm. see where it gets us. So go and enjoy the week because it may never happen again. Yeah, well, and I, I guess most it didn't happen to it didn't it didn't happen to a lot of those players ever again. It, mm. I think it was Shane Rodney and Joe Nullivar were the only two players that end up going on and winning comps with with Manly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South Sydney Sats they they're bound to be much fresher than Penrith, aren't they? Well, yeah, well, it's a Friday night through to Sunday. Yeah, it's, a, it's you, you try and get that extra day anytime you can. This Penrith side, but when you're young, you recover really quickly. Mm. And that's why when they were playing those games against South and and Parramatta, everyone thought that they didn't have any juice left in the tank. But when you're young and you're playing finals, you just recover quicker. You're, you're a lot more flexible. You're supple mm. and 
you get over your little niggly injuries a lot easier when you're when you're as young as what this Panther side is. So, I was going to ask you. Do you um, think, I was going to ask you, mate. Do you think they are running on empty, or, or, or on the flip side of no. that, do you see? They think they're supremely battle hardened. The Panthers. No, they're, they're battle hardened. You know, they're, they're they're confident with the way that they play, and and they've proven it now with three um, bruising bruising games throughout the finals that they actually go into this game physically physically better prepared than what. What South are, um, South Sydney have the ability to score a lot of points and have been the best defensive side in the after Origin. So um, I think Penrith are going in uh, better prepared than South uh, to be the Penguin Junior. Don't know what's going to happen with him, but um, they've, they've proven now that three weeks in a row, even they've beaten in, in week one, they only conceded sixteen points, and then they conceded six points and another six points. Conceding six points against the side that broke all the records when it comes to attack in the history of the game says that you know, you're travelling not too bad. You're leaning towards Penrith, aren't you? I am. I'm leaning towards Penrith you know, 28-16, I'm thinking. And um, I think Jerome Lewis at Picoris you know, gets, gets a Clive Churchill. Um, but what I do know is that Ivan Cleary, I think, was when he puts his head on the pillow each night, he's thinking... What's this great coach who's playing in his, who's coaching his tenth grand final overall across his coaching career, including the Brisbane Rugby League? You know what's what's he coming up with? What's he concocting? And you know that can get quite stressful. And as a coach, you feel as though you've got to come up, come up with something special to beat Wayne Bennett. And that's where sometimes you can lose the battle leading into the game. Well, this time Sunday, Sats, we will know all the answers to that. I appreciate you taking time out to join us on Higher Ground, mate. It's win-win for you, your childhood club, the Bunnies, and the Panthers, your team, you won a premiership with. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, mate. The boy from Narrabeen, the boot in 93. Now, it's come from Offord to Beaver. He got it away for Robertson. He got it back for the Beaver. Yeah, the Beaver departing grand final and uh, always liked uh, when Menzies scored a try and, and Rabs was calling it. Um, yeah, he boom, booms out that Menzies, doesn't he? So, yeah, great moment, that one. Uh, another one too, Darren Albert. You remember 1997? Oh, you yeah, had short. to throw that in just to give me a little kick after down I the played short a great manly moment. Sorry, I was just uh, for our Newcastle. We got lots of listeners in Newcastle, and <laughs> is that right? And Sats is from that up yes, that area, true. and John they're from up Curry Curry and all that. So our Newcastle fans, do you remember that? Um, their first premiership, 1997. Wow, that was that. I mean, that was a real moment mm. too. Upset um, too. Yep. Um, other great grand final memories or moments? Uh, that's our question, uh, our topic for the night. If you want to send your text in, your great grand final memories, they can be worst grand final memories too if you want. No dramas there whatsoever. If you're on the losing end and uh, you wept all the way home, uh, 0457 736 736 is the text line. If you want to pick up the phone and have a chat, you can do that as well. Just uh, adhere to our six-pack rule if you've had more than six. Don't call. Just send a text. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Um It's 8 past 10. Coming up to 8 past 10, 7 and a half past 10. We've got loads more still to come too. Um, Going to catch up with uh, Lee Hopkins, a former Penrith player who's doing some really good work in the pathway system 
out there at the foot of the mountains. I read an article a couple of days ago written by Scotty Bailey, and Scott came on our program yesterday, um, NRL Match Day. And it's all about the pathway system that we're seeing, you know, the likes of Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, Stephen Crichton's, Brian Totos, all these young fellas now who are, are six days away from stepping out onto the biggest rugby league stage on earth. And they're years in the making. And it's not so much rocket science, but it's really a numbers game. The Panthers identifying all these young kids and as many as 80 or 100 of them at under 13 years of age. By under 14s, that 80 group of 80 is then cut down to 50. And a year later, then cut down to 40. And a year later, they've pretty much identified their 25-man squad for ball or flag or whatever it might be, you know. Um, and they trim the pyramid down. And a, a talent identification, it all starts with a, a big number of 13-year-olds or 12-year-olds even, under 13s. And goes from there. So I thought it was quite an interesting read. An article by Scotty Bailey chatted to him. So uh, we're going to talk to Lee Hopkins a bit later on tonight. So he's he has up the strength and conditioning mm. element of um, the Pathways program. So um, look forward to, to doing that. I had a quick chat to him today. today and um, and he said Maverick Guy is one of the uh, other ones. Uh, there you go. Yeah, coming through the system. So they do it really well. And, and a lot of those you know, foundation building blocks would have been put in place even years before that when Gus was out there too, setting things up for for um, years to come. But from you, we would like to hear your favourite grand final moments. As I said, one of mine, obviously, and I'm not a Penrith fan. Well, I am impartial, aren't I? Well, look, okay. Parramatta fan as a kid. But Penrith, you know, 91 um, and Royce scoring those those two tries and that jumping into the, the saddle, if you like, mm. <laughs> of, uh, of uh, Mark Geyer. Uh, South Sydney, coached by Wayne Bennett. The master coach, and uh, will it be a fairy tale send off from Redfern for him? He uh, won't be coaching next year, but probably will have something to do with Billy Slater's origin crew, you would have thought. And there's a very good chance he will be coaching in 2023 when the new uh, NRL club uh, comes into it. I found it a bit um, a bit strange, though, after their, their big victory over Manly, Wayne Bennett, um, bringing up old old trash really and we all know that he left Brisbane and it was a yeah it was a, a shambles wasn't it he was pretty much booted out of, of Brisbane and I thought that he'd sort of you know let that left that all behind him but he chose his press conference after beating uh, Manly at the weekend um to really trash his his former club and yeah, other smart journos uh, have since said well you know that's classic Wayne Bennett deflecting attention away from him and away from his players, more to the point, in the build-up to grand final day. Well, that was, yeah, that was a huge thing. And, and, you know, I will say publicly, they undermined me in their conversations with South. So they, did, they didn't do a little job on me. They did the best job they possibly could. But to South's credit, they, they had some people that had worked with me before and they were happy to, to bite the bullet. And, um, and give me the opportunity. And I, you know, I, I rustled Crow and, you know, hopefully tonight, you know, the part of the repayment that the, what the team's done that means so much to him and the chairman as well, Nick Pappas, he's been wonderful and all the board. So I've been tremendous support there. And it's just, it was refreshing to be honest with you. The last three years have been as refreshing a years I've had in coaching for a long time. The way that worked and the way we built the club and the way the club was when I went there was a really good shape. And Shane Richardson was there and, 
Shane Edwards from the ex-Broncos CEO is the guy that rang him up and said, why don't you go and get Wayne and supported me there. And, uh, yeah, well, it was, it was a crazy old time, wasn't it? Uh, three years ago. Um, and then they did the exchange, really, wasn't it? South Sydney, Seabold went from South to Broncos, and we know that didn't end well. And uh, here we are. Wayne could deliver um, another premiership to South Sydney. Their last, Michael Maguire was coach in 2014. Uh, they beat Canterbury. This is the first all-Sydney grand final since the Bunnies last lifted the Proven Summons trophy. Um, 73 years young is Wayne Bennett. 73. Um, man, I don't think many people thought that he would go on to maybe um, coach a, a to an eighth top premiership title, and that's what he's on the line for him on Sunday. Eight premierships. My God, it's a tremendous record, isn't it, for Wayne Bennett. So you can understand why you know he is hot property still at the ripe young age of 73, and he'll be 74. He'll be 75, I imagine, by the time the new Queensland club comes um, into operations in in 2023. Still very much um, a man in demand and very, very keen to continue his coaching. You know, I've spent a lifetime being honest with myself. And if I thought I was washed up as a coach, I wouldn't coach. I wouldn't coach another day because I let too many people down. And, and I'll determine that. And no one's going to determine it for me. Nothing's changed for me. If I want to coach, I'll look to coach and, and, and make a contribution. But I learned that as a young coach about when you should retire and when you shouldn't retire because I worked with a coach that, that didn't have the ambition anymore and the, and the passion for it. But I'm not at that stage. So there he is, still very keen. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I guess whether you're a player um, or a coach, you, you know when, when the, you know, the fire's not burning as, as, as brightly as it should be. When you get out of bed and you think, oh, the, this is a real effort going to work or, or whatever it might be. Um, then you sort of know that, okay, well, it's time to, to do something else or to move on or, or call um, call it a day. But he knows, players know, and he's still got that fire burning. And it wouldn't be driven by financial motivations. I'm sure Wayne has got plenty stashed away under the mattress. Um, but he still has a lot to offer. And clearly he does because he's um, he's guided South Sydney into the grand final when not many people really, um, you know, six weeks ago thought that was possible. But here they are, uh, six days out from uh, from the grand final. Uh, Favourite grand final moments? That's the question we're asking you tonight. 0457 736 736. Text them through. Let us know uh, your favourite or worst, or worst grand final memories. Um or you can pick up the phone, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 G'day, boys. This one from uh, Luke um, Elibana, I think. Luke Elibana. Is, is, uh, hello, Luke, too. For, thanks for listening, mate. Um, G'day, boys. Some of my earliest memories of sitting around the TV watching Grand Final and then going over to the park to play our own mini Grand Final version. My kids are 10 now and um, are yet to see a Grand Final because the day goes too long for them. And they're not going to bed either, not long into it or just before it. Yeah, so what you're saying, Luke, is grand final, the nighttime kickoff doesn't work really for um, for the families and, and the youngsters. And the same can be said for State of Origin too. So I, I imagine a lot of our young kids, you know, around that age are, are missing out on grand finals and, and origins. And, and you're right, the afternoon grand final, you could do, I guess, a lot of other stuff around it, couldn't you? 
Um, but the time slot for kickoff on Sunday uh, is 7.30 Sydney time kickoff, which would be 6.30 Brisbane time, given we need to adjust our clocks this weekend for daylight savings. So they are um, one hour behind us, aren't they? So 7.30 kickoff. Look, if it kicks off at 7.30, I'm okay with that. But we've seen it time and time again, haven't we? Um, slated down for, a, let's say, in origin, a, a 7.40 kickoff and... Eight o'clock earlier. You're still waiting. Mm. Um, but I've two got I've got young kids as well, Luke. So um, and they they will definitely be watching it. They, they they can't wait, even though they don't support Penrith or South Sydney. Um, they're manly manly fans, but they're really looking forward to watching uh, the grand final as on Sunday, as we all are. Dally M Award winner for 2021 went to Tom Trebojevic from Manly. If you are uh, just tuning in, Coach of the Year went to Craig Bellamy, Rookie of the Year to Sam Walker, and Captain of the Year to James Tedesco. This is Higher Ground. Inside the 10 and the 5. Oh! Somebody stop him! He'll run out of the stadium! It's Gearin. Oh, he's taken on the ball! It's a try! And it's a magnificent one! Oh, out of nothing! And that's the grand final! Plus, it's got eight! You're gonna like this guy. He's alright. He's a good fella. He's one of us. You understand? Yeah, well, this bloke certainly is a good fella. We turn back time and uh, we take a, a trip down memory lane. He played six seasons with Penrith. He moved to Parramatta in uh, 2003, only to watch the Penny Panthers claim their most recent premiership. After a couple of seasons uh, with the Eels, um, he moved to London uh, to play for the London Broncos, and uh, who then became the, the Harlequins Rugby League in 2005. I was actually the club's marketing manager over there in London, and that is where we first met. These days, he is the, I think, strength and conditioning coach for the Penrith Panthers. It is a very welcome to higher ground uh, to Lee Hopkins. How are you, Lee? Hey, why are you going, mate? Uh, thanks for having me. Mate, uh, great. No, thanks for taking a bit of time out. I know it's a busy week for you as well. Uh, firstly, mate, your current role at Penrith, how, how long have you been in it? I was uh, I was brought back to the club by Jim Jones uh, about midway through the 2010 season, I think it was, as a, as a bit of a part-time coach to help their, their 20s program out. Uh, and from there, the role just sort of evolved into into looking after all the junior processes in terms of strength and conditioning and, and getting them physically prepared for the for the next step to the NRL. So I've sort of been back at, at Panthers now since since yeah midway through through 2010. So are you um, are you overseeing both the NRL squad and, and the younger players as well in that strength and conditioning? No, not not the NRL guys. The NRL guys uh, they live under there. They live under with uh, Hayden Knowles and, yes. and Scott Campbell at the moment up there. Uh, but but my role is to basically take what uh, Scott Campbell and and Hayden Knowles want done and transfer that and change that so that those players coming through the junior level are prepared for the systems that they have involved up in the NRL. Well, it looks like you guys are doing a really good job, Lee, because um, and I'll talk about an article in the paper I read uh, a couple of days ago about the pathway system. It's quite, it's quite scientific what you guys are doing, but I think you're certainly you're leading the way. I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment if I can. But post uh, London Broncos, but so I haven't. Oh, I've bumped into you here and there, but uh, we were uh, working with the London Broncos or the Harlequins for a few years over there. Um, what 2005 and onwards. 
immediately after retirement. So, so what did you get up to then? I, I, I headed home uh, at the end of 2007 season. Uh, my wife was pregnant with our first child, so we decided to come home. And, and, and I linked back up with the Windsor Wolves for half a season to play, yeah. just to give a little bit back to the community and play there. Uh, the knees didn't last too long there, unfortunately. So halfway through that year, I had to give it away. So I started my own business, doing a bit of personal training and, and all that sort of stuff. I'd done a few qualifications while I was there. Yeah. And then like I said that, that went on for oh, a couple of years. And that's where I ran into Jim Jones on the hill at Windsor. And he, he's uh, recruited me twice to the Panthers over the years. And, and from there, I've just I've built built the relationship with the club again and yeah. and worked my way through the system and, and started developing rugby league players for, for Panthers. You're always uh, as fit as, as fit as a fiddle and, and a fitness freak. As, uh, but you did have those knee problems too. Has that um, impacted what you what you do in your, your current role at all, or are you okay? Because I know myself, I'm, mate, I'm, I'm going like a busted these days. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, mate. My, it just got to the point when you when you you live your life as a professional athlete, and then you you sort of come back down a level, and you can't get that. You can't get that same sort of treatment every single day that you require. Mm. And I had to sort of make a decision whether I was going to keep playing or whether I was going to focus on something else. And it just became the right time to sort of try something else. I didn't want to have plastic knees or metal knees by the time I was I was 40, which which you know, a doctor at the time told me I was heading for. So mm. I decided to take a break and, and just thought, just walk away from the game, enjoy the rest of your life, and not worry about plastic knees just yet. Although oh. they may end that, they still may end up that way. Oh mate, well I'm dreading it too. I've been told I may need a hip replacement. So my my physio, <laughs> you like this, Lee? I've, I've been putting the tights on. I've been doing a bit of Pilates. In fact, I did some tonight before I came here. And my, oh, my daughter, not... my daughter, fourteen year old daughter, walked in the garage and said, "Dad, what on earth are you wearing?" <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't got I haven't got the Pilates yet. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'll get in. What about Pilates the tights? Room, what about the tights? No, I, no. I try <laughs> I tried the tights when I was playing, and trust me, that that wasn't very good. That, that no. didn't look too good either. No, it doesn't really look, do me many favours either. Uh, on a serious note, mate. So let's talk pathways with Penrith, and you know they are they are a leading, a shining example of, of how it it can be done. I, I much of the club's recent success, I think it's fair to say, has been many years in the pipeline in terms of junior development. Um, and your Pathways program, I mean, the likes of Jerome Luai, Brian To'o, Stephen Crichton, Nathan Cleary, Mitch Kenny and others were all identified, weren't they, in their early teens. And as I said, I read an article uh, written by Scott Bailey, and he spoke of um, this huge whiteboard picturing about 300 magnets representing kids who came into the system at the age of about 13. A group of uh, 80 is then whittled down to about 50, and then the following year they're whittled down again to about 40, and by the time they're under 15s and so on, they're, they're right in the system. So Matt Cameron is still, I believe, the head of football. Um, tell me more about it, mate. How does it all work? Well, it's pretty much it's like that. I know you said there's a bit of a scientific approach to it, but, but we've, we've got the right people. The club has got the right people in the right places. We've got Jim Jones, Sam Jones, Ian Robinson, Ben Harden, myself. And there's Nathan Manlet. And we, there's about five or six, seven of us that work pretty much full-time in the pathway system. And that's, what, that, that's our job. Our job is to identify those players. Sam Jones and Jim Jones identify them from, a, from an under-13s, 14s age group. They come through. Then physically, we take over them from about 15, 16. Benny Harden coaches them in the flag process, and the whole idea is just 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 to develop the person, and and just by by 
working through the system and, and training the way we do and, and coaching them up, we're able to, to just narrow that pyramid just the way we need it to be at this point in time and and just whittle it down from 80 to 50 to 30. And by the time we get to our Howard Matthews and SG ball squads, we tend to not even run trials anymore. Wow. Sam Jones and Jim Jones know who our best 25, 30 kids are in those age groups, and it, and it just makes our job so much simpler to get the process right. It must be immensely rewarding for all those, yourself included, in that Pathways program to then go and see these young locals who have come through the system now playing uh, on the game's biggest stage, like this Sunday. Yeah, it does. I think we've got something written up in our juniors gym there at the stadium where there's 29 players, I think, in our in our current full-time squad there of the NRL, and 23 of them spent time in our junior rep system. So that gives you an idea of, of where we were. When I first came back to Penrith in 2010, I think you probably could have named four or five that had actually spent time in our junior system and, and have come through. So since that time, we've even had players, like you can go right back to to your Matt Moylan's, your, your, even your Tom Eisenhuth's, and those guys actually all spent time in our junior system. So it, while we see the product we do this weekend of all those players, there are so many players that have come before them that, that have been pushed through that system and we're all started, we're all the beginning of that system really uh, that has been fine-tuned by Matt Cameron and, and Ben Harden and Jimmy Jones and over the last two or three years. You say you say you try and narrow the pyramid. It is a numbers game, but uh, astute recruitment. But um, by the time you've had them for a few years, you're not just after the fastest kids and the most skillful kids, but very much their, their personality and, and character is also... Um, taken into account? Oh, 100%. One, one of our ultimate goals here at, or at the Panthers is, is that we won't coach effort. We just don't... We can't spend time coaching effort. And that's that's the big telltale sign for a lot of players is if they're prepared to put the effort in, then we're prepared to put the time and, the, and invest that time into them to get them better. But if the player can't give us the effort, then it, then it sort of makes the decision for us. So a lot of times we're just, we're just after that player to give us the effort and once they give us the effort, we can fine-tune them any other way. And then, basically, it comes down to performance on the field and the recruitment of the way we do things with Jimmy Jones and Benny Hart. I'm talking to former Penrith player Lee Hopkins, who these days is doing a really important role in the Pathways program on the uh, the strength and development side. I imagine, Lee, a lot of these uh, bricks or building blocks would have been laid under, under Gus Gould, correct? Yeah, Gus, Gus had a Gus played a big role in, in setting up the processes at the academy. But but there's been a lot of work go on from a lot of people over a long period of time to get the system to where it is as well. Um, you know, Gus was was there for for his time and, and set up the academy and got us going. But, but there's been so much work. We're all just cogs in one big wheel uh, spinning around. You know, we we all do our job. I've got the strength and conditioning side. I know where the players are physically. So if Ivan needs to ask me where someone is, yeah. I can give him the updates on where that player is at. If someone needs to know about skill, they can ask Ben Harden. If we're talking about players off the field, Sam Jones, Jim Jones know exactly where they are. So we're all just that one big, we're all just one little cog spinning in a massive wheel for Panthers trying to develop the next crop of junior kids to play first grade. Mm, Sounds good, doesn't it? It must be great for local clubs too in the district, Lee, when uh, registration time comes around. I know I'm an under-13s coach myself over on the Northern Beaches and and, and we're struggling to get the numbers, certainly to field two teams, and it's it's always a numbers game trying to get the kids in. 
Um, and, and my kids, they identify, uh, luckily, with the likes of the Trebojevic brothers who all came through our junior club, Monavale Raiders, and then into the Manly system. But when your local kids see all these other local juniors now playing grand finals and playing origin, it must make it a lot easier for, for the local clubs. It sure does. And we've got a, we've spent a lot of time over the last three or four years working really closely with the head of our junior league. Uh, Nathan Manletton has been, been heading up our junior league for, for the last two seasons now, or three seasons. And, and we work, any decision we make, he's involved with. And any decision they make on the junior league level, we're involved with. That way, there's a constant connection between the two. So it makes the clubs, there's a bit of ownership on the, on the local clubs over the development of the players coming through to the NRL system. So, so in that sort of sense, the whole system is streamlined into producing those NRL players. I, I see tonight Tommy Draboyevich talking of him. So he's from my local club. And my, my young kids all look up to Jake and Tom and, and Ben as well. And uh, tonight he's taken out the Dally M Award. So it's, um, you know, it's a big, big carrot for young kids to see their, their heroes coming through the local system. And um, it just shows that you know, through hard work, anything, anything can happen. Who can we look out for, mate, coming through? Who are some of the players sort of from your perspective, from the performance side that have made sort of, you know, good physical progress for you in, in the last 12 months who, who might be coming onto the scene in the NRL for Penrith? Well, I think you've, you've seen quite a few of the young blokes there now. Yeah. Uh, we've got a, there's a couple of guys in the, in the flag squad that are probably, probably a good 12 or 18 months away. We've got a young front, young front row, Liam Henry, that's quite good. But, but the one I'm excited about, and I think a, a number of guys are excited about, is Isaac Tago. He, he's played a number of NRL games this year already. You know, if you go back 18 months ago, I sent messages to our coaching staff and said, this guy is the strongest 18-year-old I've ever seen in my life. Wow. He, he was unbelievable in the gym. He was, you know, And I said, I've never seen anything like this. And not 12 months later, I got a message back from some of the coaching staff saying, this kid's the strongest 19-year-old I've ever seen. <laughs> I said, wow. well, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So so I think Isaac Tago's probably the one to look out for. The other one's Jermaine Hopgood. He's played a fair... He's a tough Queensland kid. He's going to be, he's going to be very, very good for us in the future. So, so the, the, yeah, there's a number of kids coming through, but those three are probably the three that, that I'm sort of most excited about at this point in time. Well, the other one, obviously, I think, too, is, is who's a bit of a smoky where he's going to go. is uh, club, Son of a club legend, Mav Guy. Maverick Guy is going to be... Yes. He could have some... Uh, he could have some uh, some good upside with him over the next 18 months. Well, it's a good bloodline. Mate, Lee, thanks for joining us, mate, on higher ground. I imagine there's a real good feeling about uh, around the club. And, and I suppose having gone to the grand final last year, they may well have learned a few lessons. On, you know, not, not talking to burn up too much fuel and energy in, in the, in the build-up. Yeah, I think so, mate. In the last 18 months, I haven't seen a professional organisation act the way they have um, on and off the field. That they have, they are, and they've copped, they've got their knockers and I've seen some of the knocks and things like that, but that group of gentlemen up there and the group of staff up there at the moment are nothing short of phenomenal in the way they act and the way they perform and the way they look after themselves on and off the field. So they've done everything right uh, and come Sunday, they've got 80 minutes to, to try and show everyone that they've, they've got it all in their in their hands and ready to go. All right, mate. Well, thanks for joining us again, Lee. Enjoy um, the build-up to grand final, and uh, who knows, the, the premiership might again be heading back to the foot of the mountains. Take care, buddy. Yeah, good to speak to you, mate. Thanks for having me on. Keary double pumps it, gives it to Chris McQueen. Here's Ed running. 
His fresh legs could be important here for South Sydney as they go on the attack. George Burgess bumps away from Williams. George Burgess. Yeah, Sam Burgess, 2014, hey, uh, collected um, by James Graham in well, pretty much the opening minute there, wasn't it? Um, fractured his, his right cheekbone. He knew it straight away. But played on, played on for the full match, uh, very much uh, in line of, of, of John Sattler many, many, many mm. years before. And we're talking to, uh, to Scott about his dad uh, earlier on this show, um, who himself, uh, front row forward, middle forward, and played with a broken jaw. Um, 1970, grand final victory uh, against Manly. So history does sometimes repeat. That was 2014, uh, South Sydney's last premiership, and um, the last time we had an all-Sydney, all-Sydney, um, two Sydney teams in the grand final. Which takes me back to um, the topic tonight. If you'd like to get involved, favourite or most memorable grand final moments? Come on, there's loads of them. What are yours? Let us know. Um, I know it's getting late. You might want to pick up the phone and have a, have a, have a call if you want. Phone in one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. I've already mentioned um, a couple of mine. Mine, well, right up there was nineteen ninety one. Royce Simmons uh, two tries for Penrith's maiden premiership. Nineteen ninety seven Newcastle's maiden premiership. Uh, Joey Johns with about seven seconds uh, to go on the clock down the short side. For Darren Albert, it was locked at 16-all, I think, from memory, and that try wins it for Newcastle, and they celebrated for about three years uh, after that, um, and um, Joey's still celebrating. Um, some other ones. 2015, now, this was... I was uh, working for, well, another radio station, so I was a sideline eye, um, and the Cowboys had just levelled against the Broncos, in the, I'm sure it was the last minute, Kyle Feltz try on the Western touchline at ANZ Stadium. Jonathan Thurston, so I was a sideline eye, perched on my little plastic chair um, about 24 metres out from the try line. And Thurston, I kid you not, he was no, almost touching distance. So he's come back over the sideline for the conversion attempt and he's almost sitting on my lap. And he's right in front of me, just studying this, studying this. And, of course, if he kicks the, the goal, they win. Mm. They win their maiden premiership. So this would have been, okay, we've just gone through a couple, haven't we? Penrith's maiden, Newcastle's maiden. And this would have been the Cowboys' maiden premiership if JT kicks this goal. But it doesn't, does it? It bounces off. I can't recall if it was a near side or far side upright. And then we know what happened after that. Ben Hunt drops the kickoff. Um, they come and get him and... Jonathan Thurston slots the the match-winning, um, premiership-winning drop goal. The Cowboys win their maiden premiership. And and prior to that, um, and I was there as well, 1981, Parramatta Eels maiden premiership. But 1980, 1995, uh, 2015 rather, the Thurston, Thurston's drop goal was, was something magic. It plays it quickly. It comes to Thurston. Now's the chance. Jonathan Thurston kicks the Cowboys into history. 21 years. It's taken them more than two decades to get there. But the king, the best in the business, 
gives the Cowboys their first premiership. Yes, indeed. Uh, memories, memories, memories. What are your favourite grand final moments? Uh, but, yeah, well... And again, I remember that, that back to that Darren Albert try down the um, down the western, uh, southwestern corner of the SFS, wasn't it? I remember again vividly. You remember where you were sitting? I was there at that that one. Um, I was over on the opposite side of the ground. But oh wow, oh gee, I had a late night that one too. You were have saying, you, you know, have you yeah. heard Gary Harley's call of that? Don't where think so. he, he actually, I'll dig that out. Dig it out. Come it out of the next break. Albert's because, Albert's try. Yeah, he. he Falls out of his chair. Oh, please, yeah. And yeah, I'd like terrific to Terrific piece of commentary for, uh, oh, what are the Newcastle Station? Win? No. Um, oh, 2L, no, uh, 2HD. I'll dig it out. I'll two, dig it out. It's 2HD rings a bell. What would that be? Hunter District? 2HD rings a bell. Mm-hmm. I could be onto something. You dig that out. Oh, yeah, look forward to hearing that. Uh, but uh, let me know at home what your favourite grand final moments are as we count down to a grand final 2021 between South Sydney and uh, Penrith Panthers. Just uh, recapping too again, the Dallium Award winners uh, for tonight. We know it was split over uh, two weekends or two Mondays. So uh, we know that Alex Johnston won the Ken Irvine medal for the number of uh, most number of tries scored. Ruben Garrick, most number of points scored. This is from last week. Tackler of the year was Xavier Coates. Tackle of the year on Dane Gagai. Try of the year. Uh, Tommy Trebojevic against the Cowboys in round 25. Remember that one? It started right down the other end, 100 metres away, and Turbo was on the end of it. And the hard-earned award was uh, Isaiah Papali'i. I was just trying to dig out the other award winners too from uh, from tonight. Uh, here they are here in front of me. Coach of the year, again, Craig Bellamy. Rookie of the year, Sam Walker. Captain of the year, James Tedesco. And Dallium. Winner of the year went to none other than Tom Trebojevic of Manly. Uh, Matty Johns tackled 35 out. And there's 35 seconds to go. 35 seconds left. Jackson away to the Chief. We need the field goal now. 29 seconds to go. The ball goes back to Andrew. Field goal from it. Knocked down by Manly. Mark Hughes with the ball. Mark Hughes to Albert. Albert's tackled 11 metres out. We've got to have another shot. Albert plays it to Andrew Johns. Blind side, Andrew Johns. Andrew Johns back to Albert. Albert oh, right. Right. Scone thoroughbred. So that's Darren Albert, all right, and Andrew Johns, uh, the sneaky play down the short side. Everyone thought they were going to go middle and go for the drop goal. Uh, Gary Harley, what a call, hey? Uh, 2 HD, way back in 1997. Uh, that's got to be up there in the, the top one or two or three or top five grand final memories or memorable moments, surely. Surely to goodness. Um, keep those texts coming through. What's been your fave moment? Another one for me too. Um, and and declaring colours. Uh, as you know, I was a you know, mad Parramatta fan as a kid. So um, I was lucky to be at, at all four of their premiership wins, 81, 82, 83, 
and the last of which, and their most recent, sadly, in 1986. No tries were scored. Mick Cronin kicked uh, two goals, four try, four points to two. Two toe pokers from the Crow. Uh, but significant also, not just because uh, they won the premiership, but and they were my legends, like Peter Sterling was mm-hmm. too when I was a kid. Um, but Price and Cronin were both retiring. They were chaired from the field. And uh, I then there was a, um, quite a... a a recognisable photo was taken on that day with Bob Hawke, the Prime Minister. It had Cronin Price and and Bob Hawke. And somehow, I think my dad got it for me, but it, it was on the wall of my room from, you know, from 1986 as a 16-year-old for yeah, many, many, many years to come. Sadly, I've lost hold of it. I don't know where it got where to. It I have a, have my suspicions, but I won't speculate live on air. And And it's gone. We did have a house fire. Um, well, that's another story. Uh, we were billeting. Uh, no, we were a scholarship school, and one of the players at Parramatta, he came and lived with us mm-hmm. for a few months or more to help us win the Commonwealth Bank Cup. Jimmy Smith will tell you about it because yeah. we beat his side, uh, and this guy could play, but um, he had nowhere to live. So my dad said, "Well, come on, come and live with us." Anyway, no, I'm, I'm diverging from the story. He went to left the chips in the deep fryer one night. Thought he'd walk up to Pizza Hut, and while the chips were cooking, he'd be back in time. But he came back, there was no roof. Oh, Yeah, and about 16 fire engines there. That's another story. Where was I going? Um, so that's where I think... 86. I think it had a bit of soot on it, mm. but it's, I think it lived through. The picture of Crone and Price and, and, and uh, Bob Hawke lived through that fire, and I still don't know where it is. But again, I have my inklings. Is it that 86 grand final, they changed the five-metre rule the next year? Oh, no, I couldn't tell you. Could well be. I don't know. I don't know. You got me on the spot there. I have to go and have a look at that. I got, you got me on the spot there. But just the retirements of those legends. Mm. And, and also, it was um, it was my father was retired. Well, not retiring. He was given the punt, actually. He was given the punt from Channel 10. So it was his last ever game. Well, not last ever. He came back, didn't he? Came back in a big way with Channel 9. But it was his last game. We, did we didn't know where he would, if he would ever come, call the game again. Did he do a radio... F- did he do radio for a year? Oh, I didn't know. He did loads of radio. Um, loads of radio. Mate, he was out of work for ages. Mm. Perhaps he was out of work for a long time. I remember him. He was going to do an orange juice or a milk run. Um, oh. He even went up to the the local garbage disposal place. He was going to jump on there and do do the, do the garbos, do anything to got family to feed mm. and out of work. So he was out of work TV for, oh, I don't know, five years or more. Wow. And then came back with Channel 9 and, and Kerry said, come here, Rabs, and... Rest is history. Yes, rest is history. So, yeah, um, great grand final moments. They are some of mine. Um, yeah, I, don't, I just still don't think you can you can pip the 1997 Darren Albert. I, I really don't. Well, depending on what club you, you support, of course. This one, um, Jason from Melbourne has sent a text through. My grand final memories, uh, the Dragons win in 2010. Oh, yeah, I know. How special was that? Mm. After five straight grand final losses, they lost in 85, 92, 93, 96, and 99 to Melbourne Storm, didn't they? Yeah, uh, Jason from Melbourne. Thanks for getting in touch, Jace. 2010, yeah, uh, common denominator from uh, this Sunday. Wayne Bennett coaching the Dragons mm. in 2010. Uh, Jamie Soward wearing the uh, the number six, wasn't he? Yeah. And the headgear. Talking of headgears, headgeared halves, what happened to Jerome Hughes then? That was so bizarre. 
I looked I've at never him seen on, him play without Hickey. Yeah, I was sitting in here with Brooksy. I was panelling the game. And um, and you don't often see him without Hickey. Queensland so guys were calling. We went, who's that? Like? Who's that? Because <laughs> you don't know what he looks like. Because when you wear headgear, all you see yeah. is like, you know, a Lego man's head around here. And you don't really get a true picture of what this guy looks like if you don't know him well. Is that Wood Duck of the Week? Wearing... I can't, can't remember ever wearing Hughes wearing his headgear. Ever not wearing a headgear. He hasn't done. Not since he's been in the NRL. Oh, I've never seen him before without it. But he doesn't need our bloody approval. No, no. So we can't give him Wood Duck of the Week. We've got the award Wood Duck of the Week. I don't know who it's going to go to this week. There are, well, Reese Walsh is a, a late nomina- mm. nomination or nominee. Uh, Melbourne for, Storm players. And there's a couple of Melbourne Storm players who we can't name their names because it's all alleged, but a white powdery substance has been spotted, yes, believe, on social media. Yes. Filmed by someone in the room. Unbeknownst to them by the looks of it. Sounds like, but allegation, allegedly. You've got to protect yourself. We live in a very litigious world. You've got to protect yourself, right? Um, Now, what else? So... Well, we can't give it to the Melbourne boys because we can't name their names, so they can't get the Wood Duck of the Week. For those new to the show, the Wood Duck of the Week, uh, he gets this mask. (coughs) Bloody hideous looking thing. And it's looking very tattered too because it's been out and back and out and back and we send it off and they've got to send it back. It comes through um, post and HR and then goes through the COVID cleansing process and it, it stinks. It looks bloody awful. It's in tatters. Who did that to it? I had it for a week, but I didn't do that. I looked after it. I polished it. Is that right? Yeah, I put new elastic on the back of it and all. Oh, I used a bit of shoe cleaner on it last oh, week just to give it a bit shine, but uh, it's well and truly gone now. Henry Perinara had it once. Justin Olam had it. Tore it up. No, they came back. Came back all right. Fine. Um, oh, you Dez. know when it did get. It might have been. It wasn't Dez. Dez. No, you know the hair, hairdo Dez. It did come back looking a bit shabby after Matt Lodge got it. <laughs> that might explain a couple of things, right? Anyway, I, I'm drawing a few blanks on nominees for this week's Wood Duck of the Week. Uh, Ashley Klein, what did you make of his performance? So this nominee came in because of the people picked up on social media that Nathan Cleary moved the ball in about 10 metres from the sideline after Tor's oh, try. Sneaky. The Panthers, You're not and that to do ended that. up. That could have been a crucial kick. You're not allowed to do that. It put him up ten nil. And oh, I'd try and do it. I reckon after he'd no, already up after he'd it. already missed a sideline conversion for the for the first try. Right to Stephen to Stephen Crichton after he'd kicked Crichton's it. try. So he missed that. So oh, so he's taken it in eight meters. Give himself a little bit more. Ashley was referee. Ashley was referee. Yeah, Ash has had a, a difficult few weeks. Mm. And I, I like Ashley Klein. I, we, we met and he started, began his career over in, in uh, the UK, Super League. So I, I like Ash. No, nothing personal. But he has had a, a difficult few weeks with the whistle in one's mouth. A few other things coming out too of the weekend of that game particularly. All The HIAs and exploiting them. I mean... Well, so this is another nomination. We've got Jared Sutton because he missed the fact that Sean Kepi was almost asleep on the ground for well, a I, couple of seconds. Well, why didn't Manly stop that? That's a great question as well. The Manly trainer. I was watching the game and I sent a tweet out, stop the bloody game. Mm. Kepi's in Disneyland. Why wouldn't they have stopped that? Because, because if you stop it, 
the player has to go off for two minutes. But if it's for a head injury, it doesn't have to go off. That's right. I wonder if the but, referees. But then, hang on, hang on, but then, if you finally do stop before. it, probably if you do stop it, well, then you're drawing attention to it. Mm. They know that Sean Kepi's going to go off. But mm. I mean, he was in planet Pluto. And then we had so then Melbourne and Penrith. We had another few instead. Christian Welch. I mean, what was he oh. doing on there still for six minutes when their trainer called a stop to play? So most people watching thought, "Well, hang on, you stop the play, he's got to go off." Mm. And now we know because Graham Annesley spoke today, didn't he? Now we know that well, actually, he doesn't have to go off if it's a HIA. Mm. Well, it's a bit confusing, isn't it? We will sleep. Well, I'd, why don't? Why don't we nominate the trainers as a collective at the moment? Because it's a bigger problem than that. You know that mad Russian. It is. They are just the mouthpiece. You know where the word. You know where the the orders are coming from. And this is not code red. This is not Jack Nicholson. They come from the coaches. And you know who brought this to our attention? Tales from Tiger Town. Michael Maguire. Stop the game. Stop the game. Stop the game. So. We trace it back to Madge. Mm. But it goes further than that. Who approved Tales from Tiger Town? <laughs> that has exposed, now, has exposed getting, this rort. Getting into conspiracy theories now. Who approved it? Mm. Was it Lee? Hadjid Pentalis? Was it Justin Pascoe? That, that's a very... Or did it go beyond or mm. over their heads? That's conspiracy, that. Someone has approved it. Someone has brought this ugly... Um, what would you like to call it? It's so it's marred the, marred. the finals. Yeah, it's it? a blight is the word. It's a Malcolm, a Malcolm on the game. And Darren has corrected us. He's right. Sutton did Friday night's game, and Klein did the Saturday game. Yes, yeah. my mistake, Darren. Played you got it the wrong. wrong way around. Well, thanks, Darren. At least he's listening, huh? Yeah. Thank you, Darren. The obvious. Well, error. um, oh, I don't know. Well, what do we do? How do who do we give it to? Who do we give it to? Wood Duck of the Week. There's others out there too. I'm sure I've done some something stupid. Um, Josh Alloway. Hang on, hang on. Here's another. Brandon Smith, right? Mm-hmm. He went off with a HIA. He busted his shoulder. Yeah, that was an interesting one. He clearly was having shoulder discomfort and suddenly the <laughs> the green cross came up. Yes. Head injury assessment. Didn't I see ice on his shoulder? Mm. Yes. Well, especially after he made one he made one tackle, his head was nowhere near the player mm. and suddenly he was off for an HIA in that. Mm. So I, I think trainers get it this week. If you show any sign of that you've been knocked out, mm. like wobbly Welch, Kepi esque. Yeah. Jerome Luai admitted Jerome he was knocked Luai-esque. out. Nathan Cleary was wobbled. Mm. He was wobbly. He was in, in in black and white. Technically, they should have all been mm. off and not to return. Yeah. If you follow the letter of the law. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's all very murky. It's difficult to follow. Rugby league used to be so such a simple game. Simple game made difficult. Well, I don't know. I do not know who to give it to. I'm giving you the Daffy Duck mask. And you can award it to whoever you want. I'm actually going to give it to... Mm. I'm going to give it to the Melbourne trainer. Okay. For, for 
for the two incidents, for the one with Welch where he assessed him and decided he could stay on. Yes. He was later taken off and didn't return. Yes. And Brandon Smith for clearly having a shoulder injury. Yes. And being taken off for an HR. And he can probably, given they're all still together, he can probably hand it on to those two other gentlemen right. in that room. We will sleep. Hornby behind Scotland here's Boyd into the back trouble 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 Nightingale has scored for the Dragons a great ball from Darius Boyd to Jason yeah Jason Nightingale uh, Dragons beating the Roosters uh, 2010 seems like an eternity ago doesn't it well it was 11 years um, but certainly nowhere near the longest uh, drought who's uh, Parramatta Parramatta have got that haven't they 86 um Rocket Man, Rocket Man, have we got the ladder where we're up to? Now, for those, uh, again, new listeners that we might have, because we're obviously getting new listeners each and every week, and this is the the final Monday night of Higher Ground. We'll be back on Wednesday and Thursday, but Rocket Man will uh, go through. We will have to, I'm not sure when we're going to give this out. We'll have to put it up on the website, mm-hmm. won't we? Because it runs right through until the grand final. So... Basically, we've been giving out three two-on-one each round over the 25 rounds, and we've continued it right through the final series. Uh, the Dally M winner tonight, Tommy Trebojevic. Now, Rocketman is, is our own version of the Dally M's and probably even a bit more prestigious, if truth be known. He had a, a lead of about 11 points, I think, on, um, on Nathan Cleary. But in finals, it's double points, double points. And then grand final... It's triple points. Mm. So basically what I'm saying is um, there were six points and there were nine points. There's still 15 points up for grabs for, let's say, Nathan Cleary. And he could well peg back Tommy Turbo as uh, Rocketman. So we thought it was all done and dusted. But then we came up with this um, quite unique um, scoring rating system, which mm. I think maybe the NRL may well adopt given its popularity. And I mean... It, going to meltdown social media after we implemented this, continuing the Dally M's through to grand final day. Mm. And you up the points available during the finals and up them again, triple them for the grand final day. Makes perfect sense. I think it's a great idea. Should be done for the Dally M in my opinion. So well, that's what I'm just saying. I think they will. I think they're going to take it on next year. So uh, Trebojevic sitting on 22 points, clearly 11 points behind him on 11 with Tedesco there as well. Right, well, Teddy's gone. Teddy's Roosters gone. are out, so he can't get any more points. Cleary can possibly get double points from the weekend. 15 points left up for grabs. And he could get nine points on Sunday. That's exactly right. If he was to get 15 points, and let's say Tommy didn't get any points from the weekend, mm-hmm. that would then take him to 26 points, and Tommy's on 22. Mm-hmm. You know what that means? That would mean Cleary would take it out. Now, sort of throwing this on me a little bit, I haven't got my points written down from so the I've, weekend. Friday, let's recap Friday's game. Nominees here. So... Co Walker. Cody Walker. Three. Blake Taff. Mm. Cam Murray. Mm. My three nominees from that game. Oh, I put Jake Tavoyevich in there. But oh, Jake was good, he wasn't was he? very good. I'm going to go... Yeah, okay. I'm and going Cody, Blake... And Jake. Okay. Cody, Blake, Jake. Right. And do any of the Panthers 
slip in there. Nathan Cleary, Dylan Edwards, Isaiah Yo, I had as the nominees for that game. Jeez. I think they're double points, aren't they? Mm. They're double points. So, so six four two. Six four two. So um Tommy didn't poll. Okay. Um six four two. Weekend's game. I've got Yo. I've got Yo on six. Yo with six. Sorry. Yeah. Isaiah Yo. Just throwing it out Bursts there. Bursts up the ladder. I'm just throwing it out there. We well, can't. Yeah, but he's not in contention, is he? He only had two points before that. He yeah. has eight now. Yo. Isaiah Yo. Yo. Six. Cleary didn't have one of his better games, but he was still good. And like that, that kick alone. Mm. That kick alone. Um, mm, I'm going to give him two. Two points to Cleary. Cleary. Yes. And I'll give uh, the four points to Dylan Edwards. Oh. That's all right with you. <laughs> so what that does, let's have a recap. We have Turbo out in front on 22. We have Nathan Cleary now on 15. No, you gave him two. Oh, two. I gave him two on 13. 13. So he needs all nine points to win it on count back. Because he's into the grand final. That's right. So he's on... Right. He's on... Uh... Right, what's he? I'm just trying to get... 13 points. He's on 13 points. So if he was to get man of the match on Sunday, that would take him to 22 and equal with Turbo, but he would win because he's in the grand final. That's right. My God, you've you've really come up with some good rules, and I like them. I like them all. Yeah. For Im- the king of improvisation, you are. Who would have thought that this can go right down to the wire? Who would have thought? Between Tommy Turbo on 22... And coming from the clouds to possibly win Rocket Man, Nathan Cleary. All he needs is man of the match, the Clive Churchill medal on Sunday. And on countback, Nathan Cleary could be crowned Rocket Man for 2021. Well, you know the drill. Uh, we're in the home straight. Uh, you, our live audience up there, thank you very much uh, for coming in. Make sure you do turn the lights out before you leave. I trust you've enjoyed this edition of NRL Higher Ground. I'll be back on Wednesday from 10 o'clock. Until then, keep smiling. Take care.